Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're starting a new series. In fact, it's going to go on for the next nine Sundays, We're a new fall series. And we kind of call it our, our church-wide study. And main reason we do that is because all of our adult life groups will be studying the same thing that I'm speaking on each Sunday. So you'll get to hear me talk about it here on Sunday and then whenever your life group happens to meet, whatever night of the week, you'll get together and uh, I'm creating curriculum uh, and questions for you to work through, scriptures to look at, things to discuss, and you'll be able to unpack it more, apply it more, talk about it more week by week. And in fact, if you're in a life group, you already know that we have our life group launch event tonight at 530 over in the refuge. Always an exciting time. I encourage you all to be here. Uh, and if you're not in a life group but are interested in getting in one, feel free to come tonight, learn uh, more about what it's about. You can talk to Christine Scalzo, our Connections Director, and uh, we can help get you plugged into a life group uh, this fall. Today is actually the introduction to the series. Sermon number one starts next Sunday. So today is kind of just a high-level overview. Of, of what we're going to be talking about for the next nine Sundays. And uh, you also uh, you may notice something a little different. Normally my sermon outline is in the program. We've taken it out of the program to create some additional space there. And we actually have just a limited number of, of sermon outlines that were available at the, each door as you came in on, on, a, on a little uh, podium there. So uh, if, if you're one of those people who like to use outlines, take notes, Feel free to get one of those. I know some of you do, some of you don't. And, you know, that's okay because I know some of you are more spiritual than other people. So um, uh, if you're one of those people that like to take out uh, notes, uh, just realize that that outline is available for you. Our, our focus this fall is on emotional health. Emotional health. We're going to learn that spiritual health includes emotional health. The more you experience God, the more spiritual you become, the deeper you go in your discipleship, the more emotionally healthy you will be. We're going to look specifically at Galatians chapter 5, especially verse 22, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the nine fruit of the Spirit. And over the next nine weeks, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to ask ourselves various questions. In fact, uh, if you have an outline, you'll see the three questions. We'll be putting them up in due time here on the screen. But uh, let's jump in right now and read Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 16, read through verse 26, and then I want to highlight three key themes that we're going to be talking about this fall. Galatians chapter 5. And I'm, by the way, I'm also going to be using, normally I, I read from the NIV, the New International Version. But uh, today, and, and maybe most of the time for this series, I'm going to be using the NLT, the New Living Translation, and my reason for doing that, we might actually read it in different translations over the next nine weeks, because I think sometimes those of us especially who may be familiar with this passage, it's easy for us to fall into that trap where we say, oh, I already know this. I, I know what the fruit of the Spirit are. I read this passage. And, and we almost stop listening. 
because we think we already know it. And so it's good, I have found, to read passages of Scripture in different translations because it will bring out different nuances and help you see things in, in a fresh way. So I'm reading now from the New Living Translation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I tell you, I love this passage. It is so rich. We're going to be spending the next nine weeks unpacking this, especially the fruit of the Spirit, those nine fruit of the Spirit listed in verse 22. But we're also going to be looking at, at really the whole letter of Galatians and, and how Paul is writing to them and what the theme of Galatians is and why he brings this up right here. And you'll see, uh, if you have an outline, that, that there are three major questions, three major themes that we're going to be highlighting throughout this series. The first the first theme has to do, obviously, with the fruit of the Spirit. And the question is, what is the fruit of the Spirit? What, what, what are they? And, and you say, well, well, Greg, that's easy. Look at it. It's love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Well, of course, but reflect on that. What are these fruit of the Spirit? Why don't we experience the fruit of the Spirit more in our lives? Just ask yourself, how much love do you have? How much joy do you have? How much peace do you have? How much patience and kindness and gentleness are going on in your life? You know Christians, don't you? Maybe you're one of them, and in a way we all are because we all struggle with these things. You believe in Jesus. You might even serve in the church. You smile at people, and everybody thinks you're nice. But as you drive home, you pronounce the death sentence on other drivers. You, you know what I'm talking about. There's not much peace there. 
Not much patience, not much self-control there. Maybe you know a person who has all kinds of knowledge. They've been a believer for a long time. They love to study scripture and they know so much. And, and, and you're, it's so easy to go, wow, they're really mature. They're really, they're, they're really knowledgeable. They're so spiritual. But yet they also love to gossip. And they love to complain and just be so negative. Not much kindness there. Not much gentleness there. Not much joy there. Or maybe your home is, is full of tension and you're, you're just always yelling at each other. And yelling at the kids. Not a lot of peace there. The truth is, let's be honest, many of us are not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit very well. We're not experiencing God the way we should. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What are, what are the fruit of the Spirit? And, and how, how do we experience this more? You'll notice, hopefully, when I read that one paragraph, of how the Holy Spirit struggles against our sinful nature. And we're going to talk about why do we have this struggle, this battle going on, and how can we learn to, to live by the Spirit more? So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Let's be careful here. One thing they are not, these nine fruit of the Spirit, they are not virtues that you must have so that God will like you. Let's be clear. These are not qualities that we have to possess so that we become worthy, so that God likes us and accepts us, and then we can ask him to give us things we want to get. No. This is not about earning your salvation, not about earning your standing, because you and I, that's, that's, our, that's the thing we love to do. We like to just turn everything in reverse, and we go, okay, well, I understand this is about me. I need to be a little more kind, a little more loving. I need to get a better attitude. No, it's not like that. It's not about you trying to be nicer so that God will like you and bless you and give you the things you want. This is about experiencing God. This is about knowing and experiencing the Holy Spirit in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not your fruit. It's the Spirit's fruit. Bearing His fruit in you, through you. This is not behavior modification. Where, where you just go, well, you know, I'm trying to behave a little better. I'm going to be a little more patient, a little more loving. No, this is not about you trying to improve your attitude. This is about mind and heart transformation. Where God gets inside of you. His spirit is inside of you, bearing his fruit through you. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Christians living in Galatia about 49, 48 A.D. It may be the earliest, scholars think. It might be the earliest document that we have of the Christian faith. It's the earliest letter, earliest document of the New Testament. And it's earlier than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is early on. And Paul is explaining, the Apostle Paul is writing to these believers who lived in Galatia. Galatia is that part of modern-day Turkey 
not the, not all of modern day Turkey, but just maybe the central part of of where modern day Turkey is now. And that used to be called Galatia back in Paul's day. And he's writing to the believers who live in that general area, and he's trying to clarify for them exactly what the Christian faith is about. Because they had heard the gospel, they received the gospel, but now they were starting to fall away from the gospel and they were getting fuzzy on exactly what it is and what is this Christian faith. And there were other people saying, well, you know, you always also have to do this and you have to do that. And they were arguing over exactly what is the Christian faith. And so Paul writes this letter to the churches in Galatia trying to tell them what the gospel really is and what does it really mean to know and experience God. And I think you and I, we need to hear this message today because you and I too can get fuzzy on these things. We can, For example, do you really know what a Christian is? Do you really understand the gospel? If someone were to ask you, explain to me what the Christian faith is really about, what would you say? I, I read an interesting article just the other day, and at first it shocked me, and I wasn't sure I even agreed with it. But as I reflected on it, I thought, you know, this is right. The article says that most people in America today who claim to be Christians really are not Christians. They are deists. And his article is about what a deist is. A deist believes first a God exists who created the world and watches over us. So many people believe that, right? There's some kind of higher power kind of overseeing everything. Secondly, this God wants us to be nice to each other. Third, the main goal in life is to be happy and feel good about yourself. Fourth, God is not really involved in your life except when you need him to resolve a problem. And fifth, good people go to heaven when they die. Wouldn't you agree that, that a lot of people who might even say they are Christians that's what they really mean. Yeah, there's some kind of higher power. We all need to be nice to each other, and you kind of live a good life, and they all turn out good in the end. And, and they call themselves a Christian. That is not the Christian faith. That is not what the gospel is about. So I ask you, are you really a Christian, or are you a deist? You know what the Christian faith really is? Do you know what the gospel really is? Just read through Galatians. In fact, here's your assignment for this coming week. Even though we're focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, I encourage you to read through the whole letter to the Galatians and ask yourself, what is Paul really saying here? What is the gospel? And how can I experience more of God? Let me just kind of walk you through some key verses in Paul's letter to the Galatians that, that explains to us what the gospel is is. For example, he says in Galatians 1 verse 4, it's up on the screen here, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. This is the gospel. You know, the word gospel means good news. And, and so the gospel is an announcement. The gospel is, is breaking news. And this breaking news, this announcement, this gospel is this. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as the Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. So if, if you're a Christian, you've got to say, wow, I'm a sinner, and Jesus gave his life for my sins. He died on the cross for me in order to rescue me from this evil world. This is the gospel. And then he goes on in chapter 3, verse 22. He says, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus. So to be a Christian means, wow, 
I realize I'm a prisoner of sin. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I've done wrong things. I'm separated from God. But, but God can free me when I believe in Jesus Christ and how Jesus died on the cross for me. This is the gospel. He says in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are a child, God has made you his heir. This is what the gospel is. God sent his son to die for our sins. We are sinners, and we need to open ourselves up to Christ and invite him into our lives. And notice what he says in these verses. We are adopted as his very own children. And now when we are adopted as his very own children, God has sent the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. You know that word Abba is an Aramaic term. It literally means daddy. Hey, have you ever had that prompting where you just want to cry out, Father, Daddy, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. This is why we come together for worship on Sundays. Hopefully you do more than just sit through the songs and look around. Yeah, hopefully you are using the worship time to worship. And, and you're using these songs and the words of the songs and the emotion or content of the song to, to cry out, Abba, Father, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving me. Are you a Christian or are you a, a deist? You just believe there's some kind of higher power. We all should be nice to each other and everything will work out good in the end or... or do you believe the gospel that we're sinners and we need to be saved by his grace? See, a Christian, you open up your heart, you open up your life. And you believe that there is a God, this higher power. He has spoken. He has acted in Jesus Christ. And you can read his words in scripture. To be a Christian means you realize you're a prisoner and slave to sin and you cannot free yourself. It means to throw yourself upon Christ and invite him into your life. It's a whole lot more than just knowing about God or thinking that there's something. No, it's a relation. This, this God is a personal God. He's a person and he can come inside of you and you can experience God and his spirit then inside of you. Now that you're his son, his daughter, he he begins to bear his fruit through you. So the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not your fruit. It's not my fruit. It's his fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And the Spirit, it's the Spirit's love. It's the Spirit's joy. It's the Spirit's peace flowing through us. Are you a deist? Are you really a Christian? A second theme running through this series 
has to do with emotions, our emotional life. The question is, what is the place of emotions in our Christian faith? You know, we, we, we all have emotions, right? What do we do with our emotions? Many of us were taught to ignore our feelings. Some of us, and, and I, I experienced a little bit of this myself, where, where Christianity is about the facts. You know, there is a God. You can prove there's a God. There's, there's Jesus Christ. He died for you. You have all these historical facts. These are the Christian facts. And so, so and now faith, faith is an act of your will. You choose to believe the facts. And your feelings, don't worry about your feelings because your feelings are unreliable. Your feelings are up and down. You just go with the facts. And, and, and by an act of faith, you just go with the facts. Don't worry about your feelings. And, and, you know, part of that I get because don't we all have times when we feel like and our emotions are saying to do something and we know it's wrong, so we have to suppress or ignore or deny our emotions and, and we have to do what's right. So I get that. But, but really, God has nothing to say about our emotional life? Really? And, and look, look at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Surely there is an emotional component here. How can I love you if I'm not experiencing any love? How, how can I have joy when I'm experiencing the emotions of anxiety and fear at the same time? How can I experience peace when, when my emotions are anything but peaceful. See, in this series, we're going to learn that spiritual health includes emotional health. Spiritual health includes emotional health. Say that with me. Spiritual health includes emotional health. Maybe you've been a Christian for decades, but the truth is you're an emotional wreck. You're full of anxiety. You don't have much joy. You're not very patient. You're harsh with the kids. You're not gentle. You blow up. You're not very self-controlled. You're sad, maybe even bitter most of the time. Does God care about those emotions? Absolutely. We're, in fact, we're going to learn that God created us in his image. And in a few messages from now, we're going we're to focus on, on the emotions of God. And the emotions of Jesus, we read through the Gospels and you see how, how Jesus expressed so many different kinds of emotions. And we're created in the image of God. So there's definitely an emotional component to our beings. And we're going to learn that God speaks to us through our emotions. So don't ignore your sadness. Don't pretend you're not angry in the name of being a peacemaker. God created you in his image. And your emotions are saying something. And God wants you to lean into your emotions. Be aware of your feelings. Some, some of us aren't even aware of our feelings. Just to become more aware and to lean in, to deal and cope with our, with our feelings in a healthy way. Spiritual health includes emotional health. And then the third theme throughout this series has to do with relationships. Relationships. How does God's presence impact our relationships? If I am really experiencing God and filled with His Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit, this, this vertical dimension with God, 
surely it influences my horizontal relationships with everyone else. And so when you look at the context of Galatians 5, Paul is talking primarily about relationships. He, he says in, in verse 15, right, right before the passage that we picked up this morning, he says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. He says in verse 26, let us not become conceited or provoking one another or be jealous of one another. He's talking about relationships here. Do you have much biting and devouring and provoking going on in your relationships? Well, we're going to really address three specific relational topics. Three relational topics. Forgiveness, boundaries, and conflict resolution. Forgiveness, boundaries, and conflict resolution. For example, take forgiveness. There is tremendous power and healing in forgiveness. Some of you need to open your eyes to what anger and resentment you are carrying and how it is destroying you. You need to become more aware of how your hatred and your bitterness, your lack of forgiveness, how it's eating away at your own soul. And you're doing it in the name of, of the other person and trying to get back at the other person. But what you're doing is you're really blowing yourself up. You need to let that go. You need to give up your so-called right to get back at them and to hurt them. We're going to talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Have you ever had someone say to you, well, if you're a Christian, you know, some Christian you are. I mean, I said I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, you know, as if they can just hit the reset button with a little I'm sorry and everything should go back to the way it was. You know, they, hey, I said I'm sorry. What's the big deal? You should forgive me. You're a Christian, aren't you? You're supposed to be a peacemaker now, aren't you? Aren't you Christians supposed to forgive? So forgive me. Let's just go back to the way it was. And maybe they've really hurt you. And they've done all kinds of dysfunctional things. And they think this one little sorry is the reset button and just makes everything fine. We're going to learn that there's a difference, a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There's a difference. Forgiveness means you stop hating them. Forgiveness means you stop wishing them harm. But for reconciliation to take place, you have to work through the issues that caused the problem in the first place. So you may find yourself saying something like, hey, I forgive you. I, I am not bitter or hateful toward you. I forgive you. I'm not trying to hurt you, seek revenge or any of that. I forgive you. But until you acknowledge what you did was wrong, until we work through some of these issues here, we cannot be reconciled because I will not allow our stressful, dysfunctional relationship to continue. You see... You have to draw some boundaries where, you know, boundaries is where you say, hey, I, I cannot control you, but I can control me. Notice that last fruit of the spirit is self-control. Scripture many times talks about self-control, but you know what you and I are into? We are into other control. I would rather try to control you. And so, so many of our relationships get dysfunctional because I start behaving in ways and what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to gain power over you. I'm trying to control you. And Scripture says, don't worry about other control. 
You need to focus on self-control. So there are times when you say, hey, I realize I can't control you, but I can control me. And since you insist on acting the way you are, here are my boundaries. This is how I am going to behave. Because, you see, forgiveness does not mean you continue to let the other person hurt you. To forgive someone does not mean you continue to allow them to do all kinds of dysfunctional things and you just have to grin and bear it and act like it's all okay. That's not what forgiveness is about. Sometimes you've got to set boundaries. And let's face it, most of us are lousy at conflict resolution. We are. We say, oh, I'm supposed to be loving. I'm supposed to be kind. I'm supposed to be patient. I'm supposed to be a peacemaker. So what do we do? We avoid conflict or we short-circuit the process. And we pretend we're reconciled and everything's okay when we haven't really dealt with the issues and the problems just keep popping up again and again and again. And we wonder why our relationships are so dysfunctional. So we're going to be talking about forgiveness and boundaries and conflict resolution in the weeks to come. Does all this sound helpful? Does this sound good? Anybody awake out there? I, I, I hope it sounds good because this is what you're stuck with for the next nine weeks. Okay? Would you bow your heads with me? I'd like you to bow your heads right now. And I know I, I just thrown a lot at you telling you all the things we're going to be talking about in, in the weeks to come. But I, I want to just get real specific right now. Maybe, maybe you're not a serious follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've, you've really discovered, wow, I'm not a Christian, I'm a deist, like that article is saying. I believe in a higher power, I believe we should be nice, and, but I, I, I'm not really experiencing God. I haven't really confessed my sins. I haven't really invited Jesus Christ into my life. And I haven't really understood that God has spoken and acted through Jesus and that he's a personal God that wants to live inside of me. So maybe your starting point today, what you need to do today is to receive Christ. You need to invite him in. You need to confess your sins to him and invite him in to your life. Maybe that's your starting point. That's your focus today. And maybe you're already a serious follower of Jesus. But maybe the, the starting point for you today is something like, God, I have not been experiencing you. I haven't been experiencing the fruit of the Spirit the way I should. God, I confess to you, I'm not emotionally healthy. I have this, I struggle with this sadness. I struggle with this depression. I, I have this anxiety. I'm not very patient. I, I yell at my kids. I gossip. Whatever it is, just acknowledge that and, and, and cry out to God this morning. Say, God, I want to experience more of you. Holy Spirit, I open myself up to you and ask you, to fill me with your fruit.